This is Space Waffles, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome to Space Waffles. I'm Arzu. And I'm Candice. And happy International Women's Day, everybody. So we are super excited to be hosting um, this episode today. We have a very special guest with us. We have Christina. Hello. So Christina is a friend and an absolutely lovely human being. And I am very, very excited to have her on Space Waffles. She is the creator of the upcoming Galactic Gals tribute event that some of y'all may have seen floating around Instagram and Twitter. I will post a link to the to the event details in the show notes so everybody can see it. So Christina, before we jump into um into Galactic Gals, it's your first time on the show. So I wanted to ask because I rarely get to do this. Um like so just like about yourself and like how you got into into Star Wars. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me onto the show. This is an amazing opportunity, and I'm grateful for that. So I actually was very late into getting into Star Wars. I didn't get into it until 2015, literally after The Force Awakens was being released. I worked at the Disney store. That was my first year working at the Disney store, so I ended up getting to be surrounded by everything Disney, including Star Wars. I didn't know anything about it, but because of the hype for The Force Awakens, I'm like, let me check this out. Let me see. And then I watched A New Hope was the first Star Wars movie I saw. Became obsessed. Within two days, I saw the six movies. And then that kind of like hooked me on. And then the rest was history. I love that. I love that. I worked, we've talked about this before, but I worked at the Disney store too. I left about a month before that Force Friday where everything came out. So I feel like our employment just, just missed an overlap. But yeah, no, I can, I can definitely see like how the hype would like get you, get you into it. Cause they did hype it up quite, I think quite well. I think they did a really good job. So as I mentioned earlier, um, you are hosting an event called Galactic Gals, a tribute. And that's starting at the end of this month. So tell us a little bit about that, sort of what what it is, how it came about. Well, I know I've been seeing like lots of different posts about representing favorite Star Wars ladies. Like, of course, the top three being like Leia, Padme, and Rey. But I know that throughout all the different storytellings for Star Wars, like from the books, the video games, and more than that, I wanted to like do something to help represent them as well, to show the love for those characters too. And then it just expanded into doing this event and everything. And I know how much all the Star Wars community loves these ladies. So might as well just create an event to showcase our love for the ladies, whether it's our favorite outfits of them or favorite collectibles featuring them. And that's basically how it came to be. And then it ended up being this two-week event that I'm doing. But I am just excited to also see like how everybody showcases their love for these women that deserve the love. Because we all love Star Wars. We all love these ladies. So we're sharing the love for that. That's awesome. I can't, I can't wait. I don't know that I have – I don't know how I'm going to do some of them. But I am very excited. For this event. So it starts on March 27th. 
March 27th, and it is going to go to April 10th. I did recently just add a new day, which is going to celebrate one character in particular. I, on my Twitter, the themes are posted on every day and everything. So if you guys aren't sure which day is with which lady, you can definitely check up on there. The new day has been added to represent for Ahsoka. So I've gotten lots of people asking if she needed her own day. And after thinking, I'm like, let me give Ahsoka her own day. So it's, she's getting a day. Yeah, it she makes can. sense because she spans like past Clone, Ro Clone Wars, Rebels, Mandalorian. She's oh outside. yeah oh, absolutely honestly. and because of that too i wanted to be like let she deserves her own day so instead of like merging her with the clone wars day it's going to be just an ahsoka day literally before this recording i just finished my ahsoka lego and oh, i was just scary. making sure her lightsabers were on correctly her the little brickhead one yeah the little brickhead one i got it for my birthday oh that one is too cute <laughs> it's so, so cute. cute it's her little like i'm gonna go fight mall bye <laughs> That is adorable. I love that. I love the whole brickhead aesthetic. They're all just so cute. I have Me a little too. Captain Phasma too, just because they're so boxy. Yeah, I got the Mandalorian Phasma. They're adorable. <laughs> so, okay. So that, with that in mind, with so many awesome ladies of Star Wars to celebrate, I thought it would be fun if the three of us, like, talk about some of our faves. And not necessarily in the order of, of um, Galactic Gals, but just overall, like... Because I know we've all got, we've all got the standouts. So I know one that unites Christina and I is Ray, and yes. that would make sense. Ray was the Force Awakens, it was the gateway. It was what got me back into Star Wars in like a serious way, rather than just this being a comfort watch. Was like she was the gateway for me, and I don't know if you feel the same. Like she was like that gateway. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she was part of the reason I really did deep into Star Wars and also she was a character I could relate to in a little bit of a way just being a loner and finding a found family like in the Disney store basically it's like I was on my own and then found this formed family in them and it's similar to like how the resistance brought in Rey and everything in as well so I had like a kind of personal connection with her too got told I look like her so I've just embraced with Ray and she's always means a lot to me in my heart. So yeah. she's my number one Star Wars gal. With me, like with Ray, she felt like me diving into Star Wars. Like I felt that connection because she is peripherally aware of all this. And like, I was sort of aware of the expanded canon beyond the movies, but then as her journey kind of, as she got to know more about the galaxy, about the Jedi, about all of this, that sort of mirrored the timeline of me learning all of it. So I kind of felt like we were, this is going to sound so corny, but I felt like we were going into Star Wars like hand in hand, Ray and I, like learning about all this. So, so that's, that's me with Ray. That was my little corny moment. I apologize, everyone. That won't happen again. Um, so, mm, will it? I don't right. know. You're all right. It's fine. You're holding hands, gallivanting into a field of puppies. Candace is skeptical. She's like, that's going to happen again. And it's going to happen a lot. Um, so. It's going to happen today. It's going to happen today. If it doesn't happen on the air, it will happen off the air. I'm going to be super corny. That's the mood right now. So, okay. So other than, other than Ray, one character we mentioned just a couple minutes ago was Ahsoka, who does span the timeline. 
And I also, I adore Ahsoka. I adore her aesthetic in particular. Just something about her. I don't know how y'all feel. I love her spunk and everything. I mean, she is the Padawan of Anakin. So a little bit of that came into with her and, but she made it her own too. Like Ahsoka then became this 14 year old Padawan and then it was like driven and then became this like this Jedi facing off Darth Maul and even Darth Vader and facing just these like dark and strong like lords of this dark side and everything. And I just yeah. love the way we see her progress going from Clone Wars to Rebels and to Mandalorian and even in the book as well with Ahsoka like right after Order 66 happened it's just I give Ahsoka a lot of like bow down queen she is it's like i know that's my saying with her (laughs) no but like a hundred percent and it's like it's like candace said too like she spans the entirety of the timeline almost essentially like every major era except really the sequels but even then we get like two seconds yeah well she's in rise of skywalker technically yeah i don't want to think about the implications because i'm like is she okay but i prefer to think she's just reaching out through the force i don't want to think she's dead but but like Candace said, like she spans that timeline, so she's like, she has one of the more complete. Doesn't sound right, but she has one of the more detailed arcs in Star Wars. I think just because there is so much Ahsoka, I think we kind of take for granted. I don't know, Candace. Did you want to add anything to that? Um, yeah, she's my favorite Star Wars character of all time. I think that's a cliche thing for most people. But yeah, I, her arcs are always the most compelling for me. And like, she was introduced when I was like, I believe still a teenager. I was still like a young adult and like going into the world and admit I did not like her at first, but then I realized, oh yeah, I had to be away from my teenage years to be like, (laughs) yeah, teenagers are really annoying. This is accurate. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it was just too close to home. It was way too close to home. I was like, this girl. And I'm like, I am that girl. Making up silly nicknames for people and just giggling behind people's backs, you know? But yeah, uh, she's just, yeah, she's just so, I don't know. Okay, I'm sorry. My words are escaping me. But she is just so relatable in a weird way, especially for a Jedi and especially for the prequel trilogy era where I feel like a lot of the conversation is a bit heavy. Mm-hmm. But like with the Clone Wars and everything like that, you can relate to her. And that helps you relate to Obi-Wan and Anakin better too. Yeah. One thing I, I appreciate with Ahsoka is, especially in those like early episodes and like the movie and stuff, she has a lot of unearned confidence, which I feel like is very typical for a teenager. Like they think they know everything. They're like, it's fine. I am being told to do X, Y, Z. Therefore I must be an expert. And she's not. And she gets like smacked down in like a metaphorical sense a lot. And she does is made to pay the price for that unearned confidence. But she, unlike I think a lot of characters gets the opportunity to get back up and try again. And I think that's the benefit of having seven seasons of one series. And then a couple seasons of like other series is that, she's not constrained by the runtime of a movie or like a limited series. Like she has the time to really grow as a person. So like the Ahsoka we see at the end, like 
thinking the end of Rebels. We haven't seen too, too much of her in live action. Like, she kind of pops in and out. But, like, at the end of Rebels versus, like, the Ahsoka we see at the start of Clone Wars, it's, like, night and day. And I know that's how character growth works, but characters rarely get that much time to grow. Well, I would say, yeah, you could say it's, like, night and day, but a really great thing is you feel like you can see still her playfulness in, like, Rebels. Mm -hmm. And especially, like, when she's interacting with Rex. Yeah, it's, it's still Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah, oh, she yeah, still yeah. has her. She still has her heart for sure. Like yeah. the, what makes her her. It's just the, like the growth is is visible. You can see how you yeah. got from there to there. Yeah, she's Definitely. matured between when we first see her and then leading up to Rebels and everything. Even though she still has that youth in her, she has matured quite a bit, and she still is quite maturing as well. And that's one reason, like Candace said, she was teenager around her age with Ahsoka and that's why she's re relatable because I feel like we were all were like that young age when we first saw Ahsoka and seemed like we grow with her just like we did in real life and that's mm -hmm. one reason that I don't know again Ahsoka is a very well-liked and relatable character because we all relate to her in a way yeah I didn't I didn't see Ahsoka until I was like an adult I was in my 20s because I couldn't get the early seasons of the Clone Wars. I'm like, I'm not watching the later stuff if I haven't seen the early stuff because I'm just like that. But even then, like, in the beginning, I did think, I'm like, this kid is kind of annoying. And I also don't see how she's going to stick around in the future because she's not in Revenge of the Sith. And, you know, me getting caught up in that nonsense. And then the benefit of being able to watch all the way through to the end of season six right away. I was like, okay. I can, I can like, see. That. And by the end of it, like, when she walks away from the Order, I was devastated. And this was this was like a binge. I didn't wait years for this, but I was absolutely devastated to lose this character that I had written off as being kind of irritating, and maybe she's not going to be around the whole time, like off at the start. So yeah, I know a lot of people are very sad when Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, leave, leave now. We know what's going to happen. Please, girl, run. be safe. Run, Aggressive. run, run. Just, just you know, you don't need them. So that's going to happen. Just peace out, please. Be safe. But we see her in Rebels, so we obviously mm -hmm. knew before what happened in the last season. She was yeah. okay. But, like, yeah. She's what got me, actually, to watch Rebels because the marketing for it was so bad, in my opinion. It treated it like it was, like, for, like, um, Disney Junior, in, in a way. Like, I thought it was for, like, five and under, but once I heard Ahsoka was in it, I was like, I'm, I'm gonna watch it. So I started watching the first season. And yeah. I wasn't, I was wasn't a segue. It was a segue. I was gonna say I wasn't clear on the age demographic of Rebels, but I am glad I gave it a try because we're gonna segue very neatly into Candace's favorite. Yes. Sabine Run is pretty much like right up there with Ahsoka, those two. And can you imagine? My feelings at the finale when I realize my two favorite girls are going to go off and adventure together. Like, I'm like, that's the dream. My two favorite characters going to do something to save another character I love, Ezra. It was just amazing. And then finding out that I'm going to get live action to mean I've been overwhelmed by announcements. But um, I grew up in, with Star Wars since I was nine. I, I am a prequel kid, a prequel baby. I even read Legends, everything like that. And yeah, I love Leia. I love Padme. I love Ahsoka. But I'm half Indian. 
and I felt very unrepresented in the galaxy far, far away. We had Deepa, and I clung, I clung to her, seeing her in the background, but she had no lines. She had nothing until freaking Bad Batch. <laughs> Let's be honest. And having Sabine played by Tia Sikar and just having her, she was actually the first Asian woman main character before Rose, because Rose, this is before The Last Jedi and everything like that. So representation, I know it's so cliche to say it matters. And I I love that she's an artist. I do some design work, so that hit close to home. And I I like I love the way her arc went through in Rebels. How she was so protective and even we didn't know too much about her past and we slowly got bits and bits along with the rest of the crew and I loved how she ended up becoming a main character and that just meant a lot to me because I'm like okay if this woman can be like a main character I can be a main character too in a way you know just that mindset yeah. and it was a very emotional journey watching Rebels for me. A journey that sadly was so short. More Rebels. I know, I could have done a few more seasons. But still happy we got four featuring with the Ghost Crew and everything. And Sabina is my favorite from Rebels as well, next to Ezra and all that. But I just love the way with Sabine's confidence and all that, seeing her grow from season one to even her training with the Darksaber with Kanan and as well. It's I just... think that's the best episode. It's my favorite episode, The Trial of the Darksaber. Because it's it literally takes place in one place. I love Warner's Warner episodes because oh, yeah. they're so character driven, and we get so much growth. We get an amazing score that like still gives me chills, and it's my like get hype song. That's a bean song, and yeah, and we get amazing writing, amazing voice acting. It's just a great episode as a whole, and I think it's very earned. And yeah, it was exciting to see her go through that path. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to cut yourself off. I know. I'm we just can continue on. talking about Sabine. We're here to listen. Yeah. And Sabine. And then we also have Hera in there. And Hera. Yeah. I I just admire her. And I love how they took like the Twi'lek character. And because we only like in the original trilogy, we would only see Twi'leks, at least women Twi'leks as like, Pretty much slaves and underdressed and, you know, not by choice. But then we see this woman who is empowered, who is the boss, who is in charge, who is just, you know, an independent woman who is trying to make the galaxy a safer place for everyone. And it's important to see. I think Hera of the of the ladies of Rebels, Hera is the one I gravitate towards more because in my like IRL friend groups, I tend to be the mom of the group. So I'm like, she gets it because, you know, she's the one who's like, whether or not she wants to, the one being looked to to make the call, like the tougher call. So she jokes around and calls herself mom. Yeah, like she's and, fully cognizant of the fact that she's the mom of this group. Even though and, like Zeb is like 40, is like 30, 40 years older than her. You don't and, have to be the oldest one to be the mom exactly, friend. And she knows exactly. that. <laughs> and I I think that's very important, especially like 
in Star Wars, where maternal characters do not get have much the best track time. record. Yeah, they either don't get much time, or don't have the best track record, or they just like end up dead like very soon. So, yeah, even though she's not, like, blood-related to Ezra, she's clearly, like, a mother figure to him. I would say she's more like an older sister to Sabine and even Zeb, in a way, even though she does do that full name with oh, her yeah. hands on her hips, oh, which yeah. I just I love so much. Which is how they know they're in trouble. Yes. And with Chopper by her side at all times, too. It's so great. And, yeah, um... I love the scene, um, the first season where we get Hera and Sabine. Um, oh God, what is that episode? The episode where they're dropping off things for Fulcrum and Sabine's like, I got a lot of questions and Hera is getting straight up annoyed with her. But like we now that we know what happened with Sabine, it's like understandable why she would have questions and wants to make sure she's on the right side. But yeah, just their interactions, and I wish we had more of them. And, you know, maybe we'll get that with live action. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it is possible. It honestly is. We yeah. may get surprises that have Hera all of a sudden appearing in the sofa, I possibly. mean, if they find Ezra, isn't, like, the first person, like, Sabine's going to take him to going to be Hera? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who, I mean, other than Zeb. If nothing else, they're going to call Hera. Yeah, oh, if yeah nothing else. But I yeah. can't imagine bringing Hera in and not actually showing Hera. Yeah, if they do, like, we have no idea. Hera yeah, is keeping track of, of her girl and being like, okay, you're going on this Avenger. Make sure that you packed your snacks and, you know, <laughs> make sure <laughs> you're you not really being the mom, but being the older sister, being like, listen, don't get into too much trouble. But <laughs> exactly. But bring him home. I know you got to do what you got to do. Bring <laughs> Ezra home. Packing some emergency funds and like an extra cell phone charger, like yeah, yeah. You need me to bail you out. You just call me. Yeah, (laughs) she's probably become even more of like a motherly figure after having Jason too. And I would love to see like her and Jason too. That's something I really. We got like a five second thing of her just smiling, but she looks so happy at her son. But yeah, I need mothers in Star Wars (laughs) who who's lived to the end of the story. Exactly. Who actually get to raise their children? What a what, what a concept. concept. What a concept. Oh my Oh Lord. dear. Okay. Okay. Oh, we can segue that since we're talking about Mandalorians. How do you guys feel about Bo Katan and Satine? In general. In general. In general. I mean, I like Satine purely because not purely because, but <laughs> Partially because, because of my ship. I know where this is going. Because of the ship. Because, okay, I don't generally like tragic romance, but because we knew going in that this wasn't going to end well anyway, my expectations were very, very managed when she was introduced. Because I'm like, I know where Obi-Wan ends up. And it's not with Satine. So why not give that earlier on? But that part of it aside, focusing purely on Satine. I do like the concept of this like warrior based culture sort of having a leader who is like not dismissing that, but trying to work with that in a different context. And like, there's no reason we can't be proud of where we come from and who we were and like the ideals we 
used to serve, but let's be real. We're not the only ones out there. We're not the only ones in the galaxy. Like we have to try to work on things differently. And I really, really like that about, about Satine. Obviously it's kind of blows up in her face, but that's not really her fault. Like every, I think politician, particularly in Star Wars, like we said, like the women politicians have these other people who feel that they can do the job better, that they can do the job differently, that they just need this person's position of power. Like we see this happen with Padme too, that people need her position of power in order to play their own chess game. And Satine, unfortunately, is a pawn to that. Like she falls prey to that. Not, you know, through any fault of her own. Like I'm kind of rambling, but what I'm saying is I like her political approach. (laughs) Somebody please stop me. (laughs) No, it's it's like such an intriguing culture and concept and you think the Jedi would be like the peaceful ones but I love that bringing in Satine and her bring up the hypocrisy mm-hmm. of the war itself of the Jedi and challenging Obi-Wan who is a perfect say, like, baby boy who's never done anything wrong in his life he is a good person we good person as a character yeah we know this through all the movies and Clone Wars. He is morally right, usually. Mm-hmm. But he's still caught up in this war. And he is still leading an army. And it brings up really good questions. I think the the interesting thing with that dynamic is that they are both fundamentally good people. Obi-Wan is, through no fault of his own, has been raised in a certain system that prizes rigidity of belief and he hasn't been able to shake that so them telling him go lead an army even though we're supposed to be peacekeepers he's like okay this is my duty this is what i meant to do this is the jedi order and then only after that goes poorly does he see where the problem was with satine like her thing is she's already seen rigidity of belief played out to its worst possible conclusion so she knows this isn't going to go well But she also can't tell a fully grown man with the weight of an entire order behind him, like what to do with his life. So it's just sort of trying to appeal to that side of him. And I think it does work to an extent. Like he does hear what she's saying. It's not that he dismisses it, but he is caught up in a system. Both of them are caught up in in a system in a war that is so much bigger than they are, that their good intention is not enough to save them or save the people they care about or to like save the galaxy from its ultimate destruction. And then we have Bo-Katan on the other side, who's like, oh, yes. murder yep. all. <laughs> At least for a little while. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love her arc, too. She's like purely like this villainous person, the first few episodes that we see her. And then she slowly, gradually is like, oh, crap. <laughs> I joined the wrong side. This I did not sign up for this. And then like becomes allied to Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And we see her again. She's like, she's like Ahsoka in that way that she spans all these things because she's also in Rebels. She's in the Mandalorian. I'm really hoping we see her in the next season. And yeah, she's a cautionary tale, as the armorer says. And the armorer is a touch, but a touch bias. Just a bit. She's a cult leader, you know. Speaking of other women, we have determined that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she's wrong, though. I just don't think 
I don't think she's wrong, but I also don't think the things she thinks Bo-Katan needs to be a cautionary tale about are what we actually yeah, need to draw yeah, caution agree. about. Oh, yeah. All right. I mean, seeing uh, like how the armorers view with Mandalorians and everything compared to what we've seen in Bo-Katan and also with Sabine and with Satine even as well and everything, being Mandalorians, but yet helmets off, all that. You know, and so it's going to be oh. interesting to see with that. What I love about like the Mandalorian culture is that women and men are like treated equals as warriors. There's no question about that. Like even like um, Sabine's father took his wife's name, you know, it's like whoever has the highest rank kind of thing. She is the, oh God, what's, she's not a duchess. She is a lady. Countess? Countess. Yes. Countess. She's a countess. Countess Wren. Yeah. Speaking of mothers, but not good mothers. Mother, she tried. <laughs> she tried to mother. She did her best, <laughs> given the circumstances. Give Ursa run credit. She tried her best with her two kids. Yeah, um, her daughter did create a machine that like evaporated people. I mean, true. And she, she had, like, still this- let her come home. She still loves her daughter. Yeah, she shot a guy yes, for her. she came back to Mandalore. It wasn't like, why? <laughs> in, in Can you just Mandalore? imagine? You get like a report card finding out what your 12-year-old did at school. Because <laughs> like I Sabine had to be freaking young. She had to be like 13 or 12 or 13. I'm just imagining poor Ursa Ren sitting there looking at her report card going, part of this is a typo, right? Like one of these words has to be a typo. But then she also Sabine knows her kid. Do this, could she? <laughs> she also knows her kid and's like, okay, she's like kind of a genius. Like, how far <laughs> is her tuition paid up? Is it too late to pull her out? <laughs> oh, I had a point about moms that when it's gone. Shimmy, you want to talk about Shmi? No, it was Shmi. me. It was Brea. I was gonna talk about Brea, but yeah, oh. let's talk about Shmi Skywalker. Oh, yeah. We can not talk about love. Yeah, she doesn't give enough credit. I think. Yeah. It, I remember as a child seeing that scene where she says goodbye to Anakin. I was crying. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want to say goodbye to my parents. <laughs> Even if I get to be a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. It's like faced with an absolutely... Im- it feels like it should be an impossible choice and I understand why to her it's not because it's a question of a better life for her kid versus selfishly getting to keep him. Yeah. But it's still emotion. It's emotionally impossible. Yeah, because like I feel like Anakin was like the only good thing in her life, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. And she but, ended up letting him go into bigger things to become a Jedi, going with Qui Gon and Obi Wan, and she knew Obi Wan would be best for him. So that's why I think it was no hesitation that she's like, "Go with them. Yeah, you know, go. Yeah. She'll be fine." And that was like, uh huh. <laughs> Okay. And it's not even it's not even like she's getting report cards like we're imagining no, that Ursa Ren did. No, she hears nothing and she knows anything. she can't. She can't ask. She can't it's not like she can leave to follow up on it. Not that yeah. she would. It's not like she can look up anything online, try to figure out is he okay? Yeah. Kind of thing. From Watto being like, Can I just check this for one second? Yeah, can I go to course again and just like a little field trip or something, you know? No like, reason, there's... just want to make sure like this thing's fine. <laughs> And she has to trust, like, a man she only met days ago that her son is going to be okay. And then I hope she didn't find out, like, he died, like, a few days later. And then, like, this 
can you i mean yeah because she didn't even meet obi-wan so she doesn't no, she know didn't. that there was another jedi around no nope. yeah i mean i guess she's going to be the one to train anakin yeah, yeah. she she sent him with qui-gon because i think if she if she'd found out something happened to qui-gon she would have hopped on a ship gone to coruscant and been like that's it you're coming home he's not around you're coming home that's it i need to meet the other jedi first <laughs> yeah, like a quick Wait, just a quick interview parent teacher conference please <laughs> So what was, are you going to do for my son? <laughs> what are you going to give to him? Like, I wonder if that's part of the the tension that exists kind of between Anakin and Obi-Wan regarding Anakin's mom is purely just that Obi-Wan doesn't know her. Yeah. Like, Qui-Gon met her. Qui-Gon kind of knew the circumstances, knew knew what Anakin was leaving behind. Obi-Wan never really went into town. Yeah. So yeah, he stayed on the ship. He knows in theory that Anakin was freed from slavery and that his mother got left behind, but he, he doesn't have a face or a name or like a location to pin on any of this. So again, Obi-Wan is a perfect baby boy. He's never done a thing wrong in his life, but I almost wonder if he has a hard time, like properly visualizing, like what exactly it is he's asking Anakin to not think about anymore. Well, yeah, they, none of the Jedis remember their parents. Yeah. So, so yeah, they, they had no, they're not even really equipped to ask that of Anakin because they don't know what it's like to to remember where you came from. Yeah, you know, just thinking about this. <laughs> just you, you think about it, just in the basic sense, like you know, ripping children from their parents and then like asking a ten year old boy to be like, "Don't think about your mom," when like literally a ten year old child, like whole world is like their parents. Yeah, really, it's, it's such a terrible age too because like if they're smaller over time they'll forget their parents if they're older they were getting ready to leave home anyway yeah, yeah. so that like mentally they're there but 10 is like old enough to remember but young enough to still need your mom so yeah. totally totally. That era too. yeah um but yeah you were talking about another mom brea brea yeah i remembered brea because that's another example where her husband took her name rather than the other way around yeah but Again, she is the queen, so I don't see why he wouldn't. Um, but yeah, like Brea is one that we only see for like two seconds on screen and really only see in like Leia, Princess of Alderaan. But she's just like, I think such a good example of like what we would like a mother in fiction to be. Like Definitely. she is supportive. She's encouraging. She's, you know got a great relationship with her spouse which she like hopes to impart that kind of expectation on her child that like whenever the time comes for you if the time comes for you like sort of what what to expect with that kind of stuff she's just so much stronger than i think people give her credit for purely like literally bodily suffering to be the leader of her planet like, I don't know if either of you have, have read Princess of Alderaan, but basically one of the things she must do in order to become queen is like a physical and like not an endurance test, but a physical challenge, challenge of some kind yeah. that yeah. nearly kills her. Yeah. So, doesn't she have like an iron lung or something? She has like some kind of close. Droid part. They're like, like pulmonodes they're called. So it's like her heart and lungs are, are artificial. Yeah. And rather than letting them be covered, she's like, no, put it on display because I want, like, don't cover it up, essentially, with, like, a skin graft because I want my people to see, like, what what I've done for them, that I gave my heart and lungs for them. She got so, her mod squad. <laughs> she's got her mod squad. She's the original mod. She was the mod before it was cool. Oh, my God. 
new headcanon that that's why everybody on Tatooine likes to get the mod parts because it's the Queen of Alderaan look. Yeah. And yeah, the mod squad was just really delayed in finding out about it. Yeah, well, you know, that's <laughs> what happens when you live years later. <laughs> yeah. When you live in the middle of nowhere, like you get the trends late. But yeah, before but we segue like my... fully into into the mods, like I just absolutely love Queen Bria for like what she is, even though she is like more on the periphery of Leia's story rather than like really at the heart of her own. Yeah. Yeah. An underrated mama in Star Wars. Definitely. Definitely. No, that's probably one reason like like Leia is just so headstrong and everything. It's probably because she learned from Bria. And she got her from her mama. Exactly. Mm -hmm. From her adoptive mama. <laughs> but also from her real mama too, considering her real mama was a queen of 14. So both of them highly influenced by Leia and you can definitely see. Well, you just also think of the risk that both Bale and Abrea were bringing upon themselves, hiding this child and raising this child who would definitely be wanted by the Empire if they found out. So they risked yeah. everything Oh yeah, for her. And they at, obviously at the, really loved her. At the very least, they were smart enough to not hide Leia in Darth Vader's hometown and not change her name. I had questions about that decision with Luke Skywalker. It's like, but if the wrong person looks at his birth certificate. Hey, we do not know if Skywalker is like Smith. I know, but like, if it's like Smith from small town, middle of nowhere, and then evil Mr. Smith is like, hey, I am also from small town, middle of nowhere. Like, at least go make a cursory check. <laughs> but you got to give credit also to Baru being like the great mm -hmm. aunt that she is trying to protect Luke along with Owen in Tatooine for as long as they did. Oh yeah. So I definitely I, give Baru credit as well. I don't think they get nearly enough credit. Like like Luke's got, you know, he says I'm a Jedi like my father before me, he's got Padme's heart, but realistically everything that makes Luke who he is, like who who raised him? It was Owen and Baru. Like yep. Baru is the one bandaging the skin knees and all that stuff and like raising him to be like the upstanding young man that he is like that that's on her like you don't you don't inherit a good personality yeah and it's not just because he's the son of Anakin and Padme that's on how he is it's definitely also with Baru's mm -hmm. involvement as well and everything like Luke when we first meet him as the farm boy on the Tatooine, that's underneath with Baru's standpoint, yeah. not even knowing that we knew that Padme and Anakin were his original mother and father. So. Yeah. You're absolutely I, right. I always am like praising Baru and Shmi because both of them don't get enough credit considering on like how Luke turned out and everything. It's all under with Baru. Yeah. And, and like, I know Shmi didn't like raise Baru, but She's one of like she was like one of the mother figures in her life, so it it almost feels like Luke is like a result of like how to like like Baru kind of picked up like the motherly side, I think partially at least from Shmi because she did live with them for a while. Oh yeah, and then she imparts that onto Luke. So they both kind of both Shmi and Baru feel like the like the women who raised Luke, really. Yeah. Even though Luke never met Shmi in person and everything, you can tell it's like he gets a little hint of that from Baru, especially mm -hmm. after with the two of them being together for even if for a little bit of time, 
you can tell Baru learns from Shmi in order to get her motherly instincts and tell once Luke was giving to her and Owen and to hide on Tatooine. They would have been like a natural, I think, familial fit, Shmi and Luke, like if they had been around at the same time. Oh yeah, definitely. I agree. I agree with that. Candace, do we want to segue into the mods? Specifically my favorite mod. <laughs> oh, is it Fennec Shan? It would be Fennec Shan, yes. Yeah, I was like, yes, go to Fennec Shan, please. Imagine she, imagine this going by and me not talking about Fennec Shan. I know, um, I know. I'm saying the same thing. I would like Fennec Shan, Fennec Shan. <laughs> when we're going to get to Fennec. I could sense it in her too. It's like, okay, when's Fennec? When's Fennec? <laughs> Listen, I, I'm not entirely sure how to explain why I love Fennec Shand. Like, there are no words. To paraphrase Emma, I if I loved her less, I'd be able to talk about it more. I don't know how to explain my attachment to this character. She just, like, the first time she showed up, she died. Like, not halfway through the episode, but, you know, she spends a good chunk of the episode not in it. And then she's dead. And I'm like, well, that was a waste of your Ming-Na Wen, but okay. And then she comes back completely unexpectedly and I'm yelling and I'm already reeling because Boba Fett's here and for some reason I'm not hating it and then Fennec shows up and I'm just like oh my god she's back and then and then the potential of her because we didn't get a ton in the Mandalorian and unfortunately we didn't get a huge ton in the book of Boba Fett either about like who she was prior like we got a little bit in the Bad Batch in that we know she was a bounty hunter and she's like making her name in the Bad Batch and then has successfully done so by the time we get to the Mandalorian. But beyond she is good at her job, we still don't know a ton about her, but I think it's a testament to the character, to the way she's been played so far, to the woman playing her, that I am still totally here to know like more about Fennec and that I'm, I haven't like written her off as like, a, okay, I guess she's just the muscle in the back. Because like that does unfortunately happen with some characters sometimes, but it has not happened yet, at least for me. So... More Fennec, please, is is my is the takeaway from this. And I oh, think I that's credit also to Mignawin's just performance. That there's like you're very intrigued by her, mm -hmm. and you know there's something more. And yeah, I I need I need a backstory. I need to know more. Oh yeah, definitely more. I mean, like you said, we already got a little bit of a sneak peek from Bad Batch, but we need to go into further. Like, how did she get into Bounty Hunting? Like, how? Did that happen and everything? Need a book of book of Fennec Shand. When? <laughs> let's let's make season two of Boba Fett is the book of Fennec Shand. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. I'm here for it. She's just I don't know. Like of of the like new characters to kind of come out of this live action era, at least so far. Granted, we haven't had very much. I think she's the one that excites me the most. Both in like what we what we've gotten, like the potential of where she could go, because she could go anywhere at this point. Like she hasn't kind of been painted into any particular corner. So she's got a wide open playing field. And I would like them to play on that field. I don't know if that metaphor tracks, but I think y'all get what I'm saying. Oh no, for sure. And considering with all the different writers with Star Wars and everything and the directors, like I know Bryce Dallas Howard. Has been doing brilliant with it. Imagine her directing an episode of Best of Sonic Shand. It's like, yes, 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 please. Yes, please. I want to go deeper into like the books and everything of one of my favorites, Vi. Vi, okay. Vi, yes, because 
she was introduced in Phasma and everything as this resistance spy from Leia sent her to go keep an eye on Captain Phasma and the First Order and everything. And seeing how she interacts with like Cardinal at first when she's getting interrogated to then in Black Spire on Batu and everything. I just like the way she's like curious on things, but then also she is driven as well towards something like finding with the cave to hide in when the first order appears and everything. And then you also do see that around when she's roaming around Batu, as she's a book character that you actually see come to life before yeah. like Bob Vance appeared in Mandalorian from the Afterlife series. She was kind of like one of the first book characters to be put into the Star Wars universe in person. And I know that's very exciting. I give credit to Delilah Dawson, who mm -hmm. helped create Kai. And I just love seeing her while reading Phasma and Black Spire. I just love seeing like how Vi handled with the different situations, especially being in the interrogation torture chair for like so long after Cardinal was like asking all these questions and telling the backstory with Phasma. I just am in love with that and everything. And Vi is one of my favorites, if not my favorite book character of all time because of that. Yeah. I, yeah, I, it's a testament, I think, to Vi because I found Phasma the first time I read it very hard to read because it's so visceral. It's so brutal. Like, it's really harsh. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's part of what makes Phasma who she is, is, like, she has a really harsh backstory and Delilah Dawson pulls absolutely no punches. We've got bugs that bite you and make you explode. And that was quite something. But like, so just to come through that and I'm extremely squeamish and to come out of it still interested in by like as a resistance spy, as this really tough person who just kind of who made it through like everything that the first order had to inflict on her and then to go on and like still have that sense of purpose to go forth on Batu and like recruit a movement and to kick things off with absolutely nothing. Like, yeah, I actually told by about space waffles. Ours, oh you know? yeah. Last time I was Ooh. there, but yeah, I don't know if a lot of people who are at galaxy's edge under like know who she is. Cause like, she was like shocked. Like I've run into her a few times and like when I'm like, bye. And she's like, <laughs> she kind of gave a look like, Oh, you know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> And like I remember the first time it was before COVID and she touched my shoulders and she's like bright suns or what is the saying? I forget. Bright and suns, was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's bright suns. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, like meeting a celebrity, you know, kind of Yeah, it's true. You do you do get starstruck. Like I never met her, but like I saw her across the galaxy's edge and you, you get a little starstruck. Yeah, but she she went past me and like touched my shoulder and she's like bright suns literally. Bright suns. <laughs> Thanks, son, I love you. So, speaking of books, I feel like I would be remiss to not mention the High Republic and the ladies of the High Republic. Brilliant. So, Vernestra. I know Vernestra, Vernestra, yes. She's my Our favorite. Girl. She's my favorite character of like the whole High Republic. She was the first Thank one you. I really felt like connected to. And I've just come to her since. <laughs> Oh yeah, what was she's it? one impressive. She's one impressive Jedi Knights for such a young age too. Mm -hmm. I give her loads of credit and everything for that. Another one of my favorites, Nihil Lorna D. 
Lorna D. Lorna D. She she's very very driven. She's like, I'm gonna get what I want, no matter if I have to kill a thousand men. And, and just, I love that strive. And the fact that she does it too, like in the in the audio, like the fact that so many people have tried to stop her, and she just without remorse realizes that it's it's them or me and she chooses herself every time i'm like yes lorna more of this energy this is why she's the strongest tempest runner out of the three this is why i want to circle back for one second because candace i know you've mentioned that you like clung to vernestra like early but i don't think we've ever talked about like what is it about vernestra or is it just like the super capable young woman or like what is it um, it's the, I was a gifted kid vibe and then a lot was put on me kind of thing. And I don't know if I can live up to all the hype that's been like, especially put on me, like since I was six, I'm not like, I'm not projecting anything. <laughs> I got my IQ tested when I was like six or so, six or seven. And it was like very high. So I was put in all these classes and told like, I was like, you know, smart <laughs> And you're just like, what? And then the gifted kid burnout. Yeah. So, you know, I feel cute for her. She's just a little bit overwhelmed. Yeah. We've talked about how, like, Stellan's just like, bye. You're done. You're done. <sighs> Listen, my poor baby boy. Um, I night now. <laughs> yeah. I feel like one thing that has, that the two of them do have in common is this kind of like, I, I talk a lot about like the weight of expectation being thrown on them. The problem, like the difference is that Lorna is a full adult by the time all of this starts happening. So like, she does have to leave home very early under awful circumstances, but like, and then kind of gets tossed around a bit. But once she gets to a certain point, the, the switch flips and she's like, okay, it's me versus everybody. So I'm going to choose me. But like Vernestra has been, you know, sent out into the world, has a student of her own, has all of this on her, and lives in an organization that does not permit me versus everybody, therefore I'm going to choose me. So I feel like that's going to be... I'm not saying that Nihil are constantly right, although they do make a lot of good points, but, like, I feel like this inability to put herself first that is reinforced by what Vanessa is being taught is what's going to ultimately make her, like, break. And I do worry about this kid. A lot. Well, yeah, she's still also quite young, too, dealing with all this on her shoulders and everything. Mm -hmm. So I I have a fear that she will possibly break because of all everything that's getting piled, still being a Jedi Knight, having a student of her own and with yeah. all this, dealing with the Nihil and all that. So. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Hi, Republic writers, darn you. <laughs> They're like, yeah. what if this hurt very badly? And we're like, okay. Seems like every book with High Republic, it's always that it's like we're gonna get hurt more and more and more. Rising Storm did that with Darn You Cavin. <laughs> Cav knows what he did. He does know what he did. Oh my goodness. All right. Any final ladies we want to talk about? Did anybody can think of? I mean, obviously there are a ton, but I think those are like our favorites. We're probably going to kick ourselves like in an hour. When we well, I'm, 
I'm already thinking we didn't really talk about Leia or Padme, but I also feel like we talk about them a lot. Not like in this context, just in a yeah. general. We're trying to shine a light sense. on some of the, you know, ones that don't get, you know. Don't get the time that yeah. we usually devote to the other two. I just, I just want to put their names out there and be like, we did not intentionally omit these women. We just talk about these women a lot. I mean, I was Princess Leia when I was 10. And then a couple of years after that. You know, like Princess Leia was the princess of my heart for so long. I love her. But yeah. yeah. Same with Padme. Padme. It's obvious we love Padme too. But yeah. yeah. I feel like. Oh, yeah. They're the first two ladies that basically started with all of this. Leia yeah. being mm -hmm. the one. <laughs> being the only woman in the galaxy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pretty much. For two, uh, for two whole movies, she was the only woman in Star Wars. And then Mamma came along in Return of the Jedi. But still, like without Leia or Padme, there wouldn't be the rest of these ladies throughout the whole galaxy and everything. Yeah. So bow down to the queens. <laughs> yes. So I think that's a good I think that's a good note to wrap things up on. Bow down to the queens, not just the literal, but the queens of our heart, all of whom were mentioned here today. So with that, um, Christina, could you tell everybody where they can find you online? So my Twitter and my Instagram are the same. It is GnoCJ. I do post a lot of Star Wars stuff on both sides, plus some other things I'm into, like Disney and K-pop. So <laughs> you may find a little bit of mixture of those, but it's a lot of Star Wars stuff. Once again, Galactic Gals is going to start March 27th. I will post another update on my Twitter and Instagram so everybody can get ready and again another opportunity to share more ladies like some of the themes are going to include Star Wars Resistance which very underrated mm -hmm. some of the video games I know one of my favorites Jedi Fallen Order one of the ladies from right there from Nation Up you don't know surprises all around <laughs> and yeah it just two weeks to celebrate all the Star Wars ladies in our lives. So I'm excited for you guys to participate in that and see what everybody comes up with. Perfect. And I will put the link to your, like to your tweet with the dates down in the show notes. If anybody wants to click through and check that out. So Candace, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Candace the geek. As for me, you can find me personally on Twitter at Arzu Amin, and that's where you can find your Space Waffles updates as well. Um, collectively as a network, we are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are The Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And we are at thegeekywaffle.com, and that's where we post things like our reviews, recaps, and all of that fun stuff. And then we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash geekywaffle, and that's where you can get access to things like our Discord server and Waffles After Dark. So thank you all so much for listening. Happy International Women's Day and may the waffles be with you.